0: that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed or registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered and everyone to his own city. They went to get taxed. Everybody said there's nothing new under the sun. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the lineage in the house of David and to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. Why? Because there was no room for them in the inn. No room. Nothing has changed much in our day. And I pray that as we just go over this brief message that all of us here today will find more room for Jesus in the end of our heart, the end of our lives, the end of our schedule. We'll have more room for him because listen, when you let Jesus take control, you're always the winner. Always. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you right now that Jesus really did come as God wrapped in flesh. We thank you, Lord, that You were willing to take on flesh and feel our pain and walk amongst our misery, our plight. And Lord, you died for us. And we thank you, Lord, that because of that, we're here today, we live today, and there is hope for the future today. We pray that, Lord, you will speak to every heart, that we would find room for you in the end of our life, like we never had before, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We'll turn to your neighbor and tell him make room for him this year, and you can be seated. Now, what strikes me about this uh, Christmas story, which is a true historical account of what happened? When Jesus was born, he was born a virgin, conceived by the Holy Spirit. It was a supernatural birth. But I find it interesting that even at the very beginning of the Christmas story, we find that there was no room for Jesus. There was no room in the end. There was no room where he was born. It was, it was a, a thing of putting Jesus on the outer periphery of things and him not being central, him not being Right there, Uh, worship first, recognized first, honored first, but he was really second, third, last. And I think about our our culture today. You know, it's Christmas time. You're going to see Christmas lights everywhere. I noticed that many of the department stores hung Christmas stuff before Thanksgiving. And I want to say here's what Kathy and I have decided. If we go into a department store and they won't say Merry Christmas, we say, then we don't buy. Because how can you? Thank you very much. <laughs> because how can you be willing to make money off of him and then not recognize him? It's Jesus' birthday, so we say if you can say Merry Christmas, then we'll buy here. I find it very, very hypocritical, and and, and isn't that just like it is everywhere? Department stores want to say. Uh, you know they've got sales and put all the lights up and all the glitz and glamour and glitter and make money off the season but they don't recognize the reason for the season they don't put him front and center and that's what jesus really encounters all the time i want you to listen to another verse revelations 3 verse 20 says this behold i stand at the door and i knock now that's jesus talking Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If any man, if any man, if any man or woman hears my voice, then I will come into him and sup with him, and he with me. Now, what is that is talking about is Jesus is standing there in the book of Revelations, and he's saying, I'm knocking on the door of the hearts of people and i'm asking to gain entrance i want to be a part of your life i want to walk with you and you with me i want to be there when you're hurt i want to be there when you rejoice i want to be an integral central the central part of your life and i'm knocking i'm not going to force my way in i'm not going to kick my way in i'm not going to kick the door open to your heart i'm a gentleman I ask permission to come in because God has given people a will and He will not transgress that will. He will show us our need for Him. He will show us that He is real. And then He begins to knock. He begins to knock on the door of our heart. Now when Jesus was born way back there in Bethlehem on the first Christmas, God began to knock on the door of the hearts of people. And there he is right off the bat being relegated to the outer limits, the outer periphery of the lives of people. And most that were involved in the Christmas story did not receive him. And I really believe one of the reasons is this, and here's what I see in the Christmas story. So often we don't see the hand of God moving right in front of our eyes. Let me tell you something about God. I told you that he knocks. He's a gentleman. He, 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 He nudges, he doesn't push. He beckons, he doesn't force. He asks for an invitation, he does not coerce. He whispers more than he shouts. He comes and he moves in our lives in ways that a lot of the times you and I are not even aware of it. And we miss what he's doing. Can I tell you right now, many of you would be shocked at what God is setting up as far as your life is concerned. The doors he's going to open, the ways he's moving behind the scenes in ways you do not know it. I concluded a long time ago that most of what God does, I am totally unaware of. But when it comes to people, the Lord knocks, he beckons, he Calls He he leads. He does not force. And, and a lot of times we don't know it. We're not aware of it. We're not aware of his calling. We don't know what is happening right underneath our eyes, right in front of us. Think about that. The baby Jesus was God Almighty, wrapping himself in flesh, condescending to become one of us. He's born right there in the middle of Bethlehem and nobody, the vast majority of the town, was totally unconscious aware of the miracle the unprecedented wonder that was happening right underneath their nose now unfortunately because that's the case a lot of people are going to awaken one day to a Christless eternity now listen carefully to me I'm going to get kind of strong here for a minute because there's people here today who may never darken church another time this year and so I want to tell you the truth about Jesus I want you to know why he really came. And I want you to know the consequences of turning him aside. Many people are going to awaken one day to a Christless eternity only to realize that several times God tried to reach them. God came knocking on the door of their heart. God moved in their life. God beckoned and called, and they missed it because they did not recognize his moving in their life. You say, well, Pastor Jeff, it seems to me if God was trying to get my attention, God could sure do it. Like I said, he's quiet. His footsteps are often invisible. We don't recognize the quiet movings of God more times than not. Many people are going to realize on the other side, because there is an eternity, our soul does last forever. The Bible says it's given unto a man to die only one time, and after that, the judgment comes. There is no reincarnation. There is no coming back as something else. There is no second chance. And I believe a lot of people on the other side are going to say what the theme of this musical was. If only I had known. If only I had known. And here's what they're going to realize. He was there in the smile of that Christian friend who came to me and told me about him, and I blew him off. If only I had known that they were telling me the truth about the Son of God. Those people are going to realize that he was there when they were in that big problem, in that deep trouble, when let's say, for instance, their car was spinning out of control and they blurted out a prayer and said, God help me, and he delivered you. And as soon as it was over, you forgot about him. But on the other side, you're going to say, if only I had known. If only I had known, if only I was aware, or he was there when you looked at that incredible scene, you went to someplace like the Grand Canyon and your eyes took in or tried to take in that incredible scene and something in you said, there's no way this just happened and you didn't know that that was God touching you, convicting you, showing you, nudging you. I did this. And as soon as you walk away from the scene, you forgot about that thought. Or how about this? You were raised in church as a child, then you got out of church. And you're just cooking along one day, and all of a sudden a Bible verse comes into your mind that you haven't thought about in years. And when that Bible verse jumped into your mind, a little voice seemed to say, consider the state of your soul. But the thought passed, the feeling passed, and you just went on with life. On the other side, you're going to say, if only... I had known, if only I'd known, if only I'd known. And do you know what? We're not the only ones who say that kind of thing, who who quote that phrase. One day, Jesus walked up to Jerusalem, that great city, where he would soon be crucified. He looked out over that city, and do you know what he said? He looked out over the city, and the Bible says Jesus wept. Shortest verse in the Bible Two words, nine letters. Jesus wept. Why did he weep? Listen to what he said. He looked at them and spoke to the people, said, if only you had known. Wow. If only you had known the things that would have brought you peace. I wish that I could go on ABC, CBS, NBC, CNN, MSNBC, all the cable channels, and look at America and say, America, wake up. Because the day is going to come when you say, if only I had known that it was the real God I was kicking out of schools, that it was the the real Savior I was removing from the public square, that there were eternal consequences for our actions in, in rejecting God in our culture. If only I had known, I wish I could say to America, America, your answer is not another politician. It's not a political party. Your answer is the Prince of Peace, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is going to come back someday. Jesus went on to say, if only you had known the things that would have brought you peace, if only you had known that if you'd listened to me, I would have brought peace to your life. If only you had known, but now they're hidden from you. Now they're hidden from you, Jerusalem, because you did not recognize, you did not see, you were not aware of the times when God visited you. Do you hear that? Same thought. God visited them and they didn't know it. God visited them and they didn't see it. He was born among them, grew up among them, walked among them, did miracles among them, taught among them. And with all this divine activity happening right under their nose, Jesus said, you did not recognize that you were under a divine visitation from God. I personally believe that there is not a soul that's born, that that, that grows up in any level of adulthood, that reaches beyond the age of accountability. There is not a soul that God does not approach at least once to get their attention To woo them and beckon them and call them. He speaks out of nature what you see, what you hear, what you taste. Behold, the the heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day they utter speech. Night after night they show forth knowledge. There is no voice nor language where their voice is not heard. If only I had known. If only I had known. If only I had known. That rich man that Jesus talked about, Lazarus, he was in hell and he looked up from hell. He looked up into the bosom of Abraham and you know on his mind was if only I had known. The second thing I see here is so often our Christmas gatherings are just like it was back then. Full of hustle, bustle, worldly business, taxes, money, this, that, and the other. And we completely miss the reason for the season. We completely miss what it's all about. Many of you, you're gonna have guests in during Christmas time and all over America. Houses are gonna be full of chatter and, and eggnog and presents and lights. And yet Jesus is gonna be relegated to the back room, if if even that. The most important thing about Christmas to me in the West, in a place like America, is that we do find room for Him in the end of our heart, in the end of our life, in the end of our churches. You know, there's some churches, it's all busyness and and you can't find Jesus anywhere if you looked under every chair. He's nowhere to be found because it's not about Him, it's about religion, it's about good works. It's about some church name. Listen, there's no church without Christ. The thing about Christmas is the giving of gifts that we all like to do. I hope you like to give them more than you like to receive them. I love to watch the the, the expressions on people's faces when I give them something, give them a gift. But guess what? The whole thing of gift-giving came from the very first Christmas. Watch what God did. God so loved the world that He gave. And do you know that Jesus is called a gift? You talk about unwrapping a powerful gift. Listen, I don't care what you're getting this Christmas. There is no gift that you can unwrap that is more life-changing, more powerful, more revolutionary, more a blessing than the gift of Jesus Christ. He is the great gift. He really is. Let me ask you a question today. Have you unwrapped that gift? Have you, by faith, gone to God and say, Lord, I believe that Jesus did die for me and rise from the dead, and I believe he died for my sins on that old rugged cross? I love the cross. I love the cross because that is where my sin was washed away. Jesus stretched out his arms and his feet. And the Bible says that on that cross, he took the rap for you and me. We had a rap sheet that was miles long. We would have answered to God for untold number of sins, and Jesus took every one of God's judgments. God took our condemnation through Jesus. Jesus stood there, hung there on that cross, and he took the wrath for you and me. He took the wrath by taking the wrath. God poured his wrath out on Jesus so that we would not have to experience that wrath. That's what he did. I love the cross. You know, we got that cross out here on the, uh, in the front of our property right there on the service road. And you can't believe how many times we've seen people pull off the road, and, and get out of their cars and walk up to that cross and kneel down and pray. Do you know that during this ice storm last week when we couldn't even get to church, that all these 18-wheelers had to stop on the side of the road because they could not travel, and our folks saw some of these truck drivers get out of their truck, slip and slide and crawl up to that cross and kneel down and pray at that cross? That blesses me. Why, why do they do that? They do that because... They know that there is where God took care of my sin. There is where the savior of the world, not Muhammad, not Confucius, not Buddha, not any other world religious leader could ever have helped us one scintilla with the sin of our life. Jesus alone died for our sins. He is not among them. He is in his own stratosphere, in his own category, in his own orbit. Jesus is not comparable to any other because only Jesus was the Lamb of God that took away the sin of the world, my sin and your. And there we find life. At that cross, we go from death to life, from lost to found, from blind to sight. Thank God for the cross. God came. God came and stepped down into our broken world. Broken world in the person of Jesus Christ. He didn't come for a casual visit. He didn't come to walk around saying nice things and loving things to make people feel good. Jesus was on a divine rescue mission. Hear me. Jesus was on a divine rescue mission. It was nine one one, and still is. The house was on fire and still is. Jesus was like a fireman going into a burning house and screaming out saying, this is the way out, follow me. He came to undo the power of sin and its dreadful consequences. Jesus did. His choice of entry was through the womb of a young virgin named Mary. Believe it. He was conceived within Mary by the power of the Holy Spirit. It was a supernatural conception. Has never been one like it. The Immaculate Conception. Though he was God, the Son. He willingly took on the flesh of a human being, fully aware of how his life would turn out. He knew what he was in for. Jesus, of all people, was born to die. Born to die. He knew that from childhood on, he'd be in danger in this sin-sick, devil-infested world. He knew he'd be mocked and harassed. He knew he'd be beaten, flogged, and crucified. Even so, he still chose to be born. When he went to the cross, he said, no man makes me do this. I do this of my own volition. Why would he do that? Why in the world would he do that? L-O-V-E. A love that we can't even begin to comprehend. We can't even begin to comprehend the kind of love It would cause God the Son, resting in celestial glory, surrounded by worshiping angels, next to the Father, equal with the Father, would say, I'll go. And only by the miraculous, inscrutable workings of God, the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary, And God the Son left his place and was conceived in the womb of a virgin and was born among us. How does that happen? I don't know. But I don't know how a cow eats green grass that turns into white milk and becomes yellow butter. (laughs) But I still love butter and I still drink milk all the time. He humbled himself to become one of us, and then he died on purpose to take away the sin of the world. So when Christmas trees sparkle, as they are right now, look at these trees, these wreaths, the beautiful job that the ladies in our church have done to decorate this place. It all goes back to Jesus Christ given as the original gift. So I want you to stand with me, would you? And let's just quote this together. It's 1 Timothy 1.15. Here it is. Say with me, right up there, there it is. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Amen. Can we lift our hands to him and just bow with me for a moment in prayer? And let's thank the Lord. He's so good. Let's thank the Lord. Lord, what can we say? Lord, your amazing grace, your incredible love, you came down to us and you allowed yourself to be abused by the very creatures you had created and you are the only sacrifice for our sin you might need to pray with me right now there's sin in your life you know that there's something not right between you and God there's something there I want to tell you there's a Savior here today that can forgive you. So let's just pray this together. Lord, thank you. You took away my sin. I ask your forgiveness for anything that is blocking my path to you. I give up every idol I have chosen over you. And I ask you, fill my heart with your Holy Spirit. And this new year, help me to love you and to grow like I've never grown before. In Jesus' name.